today we're going to talk about something real quick and then we're going to have the Lord's Supper. The last chapter of John opens on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. If you were here a few weeks ago, Casey preached about this. Um, the, several of the disciples are in a boat fishing and Jesus is on the shore watching them fishing only they don't know it's Jesus up there watching them. Now this is the the place where Peter had met Jesus three years before, but by this point, he's no longer walking with Jesus. He's no longer doing the things that Jesus taught him to do uh, to reach the world for Christ. Jesus said, you'll be a fisherman. He wasn't doing any of those things. He had gone back to the only job he'd ever known, fishing. And um, <laughs> you see, this, what's interesting about this is, is Peter had promised in front of everybody, even if all these other guys leave, I will not leave you. And Jesus said, tonight, Peter, you're going to deny that you even know me three times. So Peter, he fails big time. Now, I don't know if this has happened to you. There were a few of us in the first service this has happened to, but it happens to me. There have been times in my past that I have promised, Jesus, I will do this for you. What did it fill in the blank? I will do this. I promise I'll never do that. I'll only do this, only to fail miserably. Anyone? Anyone? Okay. Oh, a few of us. All right. Um, what do you do when you make that pledge and then you fail? Here's what a lot of people do. They assume, especially if it's a big-time failure, right? We, we list them. God doesn't. We list the big-time failures. We assume that our Christian life is over. And, and we, you know what we do? We go back and do whatever we used to do before we met Jesus. Why would we do that? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one is I believe we think that our sin, my sin, is bigger than the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. But the second thing is there's an enemy of God who comes and whispers in your ear, you are a failure. Don't even bother talking to God about it. God doesn't want to hear it anymore. Don't even talk, bother talking to Christians about it. The Christians don't want to hear. You are such a disappointment to everyone. You just need to go back and do what you used to do. And we do that. So some of us will, will run back to the things we used to. The first thing is, I'll go back to drinking or drugs or whatever it is. I need to medicate this pain. It's what I've always done, and God won't accept me anymore, so I'm going to go back to that. Some people go back to um, that bad relationship, or they go to a relationship just like it. I know these types of relationships hurt me. They destroy my future, but I keep going back because God doesn't want me anymore, so I'm going to go back where it's familiar. Some people go back to um, thinking and saying negative things about myself. The, the enemy whispers those things, you're worthless, and you start saying, I'm worthless. You can't do anything for God, I can't do anything for God. And we start saying and doing those negative things, we believe them. Some people go back to those friends. Oh, um, every time I go to jail and, and I visit somebody in jail, the, every time they're telling me their story, it starts out with the same four words. I had these friends... Every time I did something really dumb, I had these friends. And I know I shouldn't go hang out with those friends, and I know I shouldn't go those places, but those places promise that I'm going to feel better about myself. They promise that I'm going to be better in the morning. But, but did they deliver? No. That's Peter. By going fishing, Peter was saying, I'm done with this Christianity thing. I'm going to go back to my other way of life. And, and he had blown his chance to show Jesus what a strong follower he would be, so he went back fishing. And you know what Peter got for, for his night of fishing? A whole lot of nothing. That's a theological term. That's a phrase. It's not really. When Jesus strolls up on the shore, the disciples had been fishing all night long. They'd been fishing but not catching. That's what a fisherman says when he has not been catching. Oh, that's why they call it fishing. That means I've been a failure, right? 
You just should say that. Catch any fish? No. That's why they call it fishing, not catching. That means you didn't do any catching, right? That's what they're doing. Peter and, the, and several of the disciples, I think it was seven, is that what it was, Casey? Seven total disciples are in the, in the boat fishing that night, and they got a whole lot of nothing. They went back to what they used to do, and it was a failure. Now, I don't know if you've done this, but some people have that have talked to me. And, and so so our, our society will say, oh, man, all you need to do is party harder. Live for the weekend and just party harder. The next day after you partied hardy, harder, hardier, what did you end up with besides a hangover? And it doesn't even stay with you. There's a friend that leaves you. Not soon enough. A whole lot of nothing. When our world says, don't get married, just, just have sex with no commitment, there comes a point, what do you have from that relationship? whole lot of nothing. When you go looking for love in all the wrong places, might be a nice little country song with a tune, you know, a nice little tune. What do you have eventually? You have a whole lot of nothing. When you look everywhere except to a relationship with God for fulfillment and meaning, what do you get? You get a whole lot of nothing. So Jesus says, do you have any fish? And it's a negative phrase. The emphasis is on what they don't have. Um, we might ask it, so how's that working out for you? Right? You went back to your old ways. You keep doing the same thing. So how's that working out for you? Jesus already knew how it was working out for him. He knew that going back to their old ways was going to produce a whole lot of nothing. He was giving them the opportunity to recognize my old ways produce a whole lot of nothing. So you know what he does? He makes a suggestion about how to catch fish to a bunch of professional fishermen. I bet that went over like a lead balloon. Oh, the right side of the boat. We didn't think of that. Come on, girls. Any, any decent fisherman, let alone a professional, fishes all the way around the boat before they move the boat, and they're going to be offended that you suggest they didn't, that they didn't think of that. <laughs> we don't know why, though. But these professional fishermen obeyed Jesus and threw their net on the right side of the boat, and when they did, you know what happened? Greatest catch of fish they'd ever had. Couldn't even pull it in the boat. It was spectacular. Here's the point. Whatever, whatever you've been putting in place of your relationship with Jesus has and will continue to leave you with a whole lot of nothing. When Jesus told them to cast their nets on the right side of the boat, he was saying, I know to where to find what you're looking for. All you have to do is obey me. Do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it, and you're going to find it. And some of you are going, but I'm not looking for fish. I don't think Sandy's looking for fish. Chase looks for fish, but Sandy's never looking for fish. I'm pretty confident of that. But some of you are looking for friendship. Desperate for friends. Jesus says, I know where to find them. I know where to find friends that will become like family. Some of you are looking for acceptance. <laughs> Jesus says, I know where you can find a place where you can be fully known. That means somebody knows everything about you, loves you anyway. And you can know others. You can know everything about them, love them anyway. Jesus says, I know where, I know where there, there's a place like that. Some of you are looking for meaning in life. Jesus created life. We read it last week in John chapter 1 where it says, all things were created by God, by, through Jesus, for Jesus. It all came from him. So if you want to know why you're on this planet, talk to the one who made you, that knit you together in your mother's womb. 
Some of you are looking for healing. <clears throat> I read this this week. I'm, I'm reading in, in 2 Kings. I'm almost finished with 2 Kings. And as I was reading chapter uh, 20, verse 5, the, this verse leapt off the page at me, and here's what it says. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. So I had to get my little notebook, and I wrote that down, 2 Kings 25, and then I got out my phone, and I texted this verse to someone I love. I said, God, I believe God told me this verse, showed me this verse today for you. See, someone, someone here is looking for significance. Someone here is looking for security. Someone is looking for satisfaction, and Jesus says, I know where you can find all of those things. And it's not, and, and then he says, you want to know where you can't find all of those things? It's not by going back to what you used to do. You'll never find all of those things by doing what you did before Jesus. That's not how you get those things. So Jesus is asking you today, how's that working out for you? Doing what you've always done. He's not asking for information because he already knows. <laughs> how that's working out for you. He's given you the opportunity to recognize what's going on in your life. And here's the deal. Once we admit, I'm, what I'm doing is leaving me with a whole lot of nothing, at that point, he can restore us, not before. As long as we deny our situation, say, oh man, I'm having fun. I got it under control. I'm running the show. You're really actually still under the power of God's enemy and you're under his influence. But the moment we admit, man, what I'm doing isn't working. I've really got a whole lot of nothing to show for all this. That's when Jesus says, put your net over there, and I'll show you what you're looking for. You'll find what you're looking for, Jesus says, when you follow him. Jesus was showing Peter, you went out and did the things you used to do, but that didn't work. But if I speak one word, if I point my finger in one direction and you obey me, you'll find more than you ever dreamed. That's power. Jesus is showing you the same thing today. Jesus says, if we'll fall on our knees and say, what I'm doing isn't working, I've got a whole lot of nothing to show for my efforts, that's when Jesus will point you towards what you desperately want. Well, the disciples rush to shore when they realize it's Jesus. Jesus didn't chew them out for going back to what they used to do. There was no lecture. Um, there was no condemnation, no rebuke. Actually, what he did, he accepted them. He goes, hey, anyone hungry? <laughs> He already had the fire going and the fish. We don't know where he got the fish, but it's Jesus. I don't know. When the guys who had a whole lot of nothing show up, Jesus gives them what they needed. When you show up and say, I got a whole lot of nothing, Jesus will serve you in your emptiness. That's what he does. He serves us in our emptiness. That's on the screen there, buddy. Jesus serves us in our emptiness. And then he pulls Peter aside, because remember, Peter denied him three times publicly, spectacularly. And Jesus asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter answers, Jesus was restoring him publicly. See, Jesus knew that Peter was going to do some great things in the kingdom of God, um, but first he had to be reminded that his past failures did not disqualify him from serving God. And somebody needs to hear that today. Your past, your failures do not disqualify you from serving God. No matter how spectacularly you failed, no matter how many people saw it, God can overcome your past. That's because the scripture teaches us grace is more powerful than consequences. The grace of God is more powerful than consequences. All right, I want you to write that down, then I want you to look up here. God will not remove the consequences of your sinful choices. He doesn't do that. What he says is, I want to walk with you through your sinful choices, the consequences. He says, I want to love you through that. And then he says, I am so powerful that I will... I will use your consequences 
to bring someone else into the kingdom of God. And there's no other religion that offers that. There's no other founder of any religion who offers that. Christianity is the only one where God comes to us. Everyone else is religion. I've got to work my way to God. God says, you can't even do it. Jesus is coming. Then Jesus says, I'm so powerful that if you'll let me, if you'll say, I've got a whole lot of nothing, you'll let me. I'll use those consequences to bring people into the kingdom of God. So he wants us to know today, your past doesn't have to define you. Why is that? It's because God is bigger than your past. Even if you've denied Christ, he will still serve you breakfast on the beach, or in our case, he will still offer you the Lord's Supper. <laughs> He'll still use you to build his church. Here's, here's the verse I want you to remember from today. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. This is on your listening guide. His, mercy never, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What that means is... God offers, Jesus offers his breakfast or his Lord's Supper over and over and over again. It doesn't matter what of your, your night of nothing was about, there's new mercy available every morning. So that the Lord's Supper is a reminder that God sent Jesus to die for our sins. It's a reminder that before Jesus, our lives were about a whole bunch of nothing. So when we come to the table, we're admitting to God that, that I'm nothing without you. I was dead in my, in my sins, but you made me alive. This meal is all about Jesus. The bread represents his, his body that was broken. It's just bread. But it represents his body was broken for us. And, and the cup represents its grape juice. And it represents the blood of Jesus that was spilled. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, the Bible says. So the Lord's Supper is for believers in Christ. If you're not a believer, that's okay. Come talk to me or find somebody. We'll, we'll tell you about how you can come to Christ. But there's a couple of things that you need to remember. When you come to the table, what you're saying, it's like a proposal. What you're saying is, I accept your gift of life, Jesus, and I offer you mine in return. So when you take the bread and you drink the cup, you're saying, Jesus, I've been doing my own thing. Even if you're, even if you're up to date on your confessions, you're saying, Jesus, I've done my own thing. Every time we've done, we do this, we're proclaiming that we believe in Jesus. So every time you take it, you're saying, I accept the offer of your life and I give you my life in return. And the Bible says that, that in order to take the Lord's Supper, you need to do it in a worthy manner. First of all, if there is sin in your life, you are openly sinning, do not come to the Lord's Supper table. Re go back and read um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. You'll, you'll learn a whole lot of stuff in there, how you should take the Lord's Supper in the right way. Do not come if you are blatantly disobedient to God because the Bible says you will be judged by taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. So you confess your sin. Second, though, is if you're in, in a in a messed up relationship and you've never tried to um, make things right with them, then, then don't come to the Lord's Supper table. What you're supposed to do is you're supposed to leave and make things right with them. Then you can take the Lord's Supper the next time. Now, if you've attempted to and genuinely you've gone and tried to make things right, the Bible says as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. That implies that sometimes you can't live at peace with people. But once you've tried, don't feel bad about coming to the Lord's Supper table. There's no condemnation here. It's the, it's the full of themselves, proud people who come to the table that are judged. If you've attempted to make a relationship right, then, then you can come to the table. Um, we're going to have a time of prayer. If you want to pray here at the altar, if you want to pray at your seat, you're welcome to do that. But the way we're finishing the service today is the guys are going to, they're going to turn on some music in just a second, and you can come to the table. You can come, if, you, if you're a married couple and you want to come together, you can do that. If you want to come separately, whatever you want to do, just make sure you pray and you come to the table in the, in the right manner. And remember that, that 
you're exchanging your whole lot of nothing for Jesus' whole lot of something. Let's pray together, and then the guys will start the music. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace, how you, your, your mercies are new every morning. And some of us need some mercy today, God. So speak to our hearts, and then, Lord, as we come to the table, we pray that, pray that you bless us in the name of Jesus. Amen. When you're finished in here, I just ask that you leave quietly.